The Dorkening and all affiliated shows are not intended for anyone under the age of 18. The following may contain discussions or scenes that have adult situations, graphic violence, nudity, strong sexual content, and graphic language. This show is intended for mature audiences only. Viewer discretion is advised. to check out the Dorkening Podcast Network. With over 30 podcasts that encompass everything from horror to video games to comic books, and so much more, you're bound to find the shows for your taste. Whether it be Nerds of Unusual Origin, That Strange Show, Retro Red Octopus, Splash Pages, Throwdown Thursday, The Horror Squad, Still Talking With, My God, man, I can't read all of these. So just feel free to play and experiment with the Dorkening Podcast Network. There are over 30 shows chock full of nerdy goodness to sink your ears into. And they're all available on Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, and wherever fine podcasts are broadcast. Welcome to the Dork Night, where we talk about everything about Batman, and sometimes, you know, we may end up talking about Superman as well, you know, world's finest type of thing. Uh, my name is Leo. I'm the monkey behind the keyboard here. We have an awesome show scheduled for you, and uh, we're going to be talking about the Riddler. Uh, so, bad, uh, bad man, <laughs> Batman, uh, one bad day, the Riddler number one. This was a eight-part series uh, covering... Uh, the Riddler, Two-Face, the Penguin, Mr. Freeze, Catwoman, Bane, Clayface, and uh, Ra's al Ghul. And uh, so today we're going to be talking about The Riddler, the first book in the series. And uh, with us today, another Batman fan, uh, Mr. Justin Cooper. How's it going, bud? It's Batastic, chum. <laughs> oh, love it. I love, love Batman. It. Hey. <laughs> and uh, uh, somebody who doesn't care about Batman, um, Mr. Powerful Brad. Yeah, but I dislike Batman. It's just, you know, I, I don't go out of my way. Uh, I do have to say, though, uh, going with your initial comments here, is uh, does nobody know what it's like to be the Batman? To, you to would be the, behind blue to be the, eyes. To be the sad man. <laughs> behind blue eyes uh i feel like bruce wayne would not really be a big fan of the who i actually see him as more of a james taylor kind of guy <laughs> hmm. I see fine, I see imagine, imagine him getting ready to go rock the shit out of the joker right and he's just blaring you've got a friend <laughs> you just call out my name <laughs> It's like that my least favorite would be so surreal. <laughs> Down on top of mine. I'm a big fan. Of the, I'm a big fan of the weird needle drops. Like I, I love the misdirection that music can serve. You know, like I actually think a great, um, a great example of that is in the movie. You're talking about a knockdown, drag out fight, right? A fucking bar brawl. Dirty work. Dirty work. I knew it. McDonald's. Dirty night street fight. Yeah. <laughs> Seven street fighting, 
Oh yeah, well you just hit F8. Huh? What? If you like pina coladas, <laughs> boom, boom, boom. <laughs> getting caught in the rain, and then everyone's just beating the shit out of one another. That is perfect. That is better than street fighting being played. <laughs> I think I've played that a, a couple times on a jukebox. <laughs> I love great. it. I actually had a friend of mine in the car because I have Escape, the Pina Colada song by Rupert Holmes on my my music stuff. On his Zune. On my Zune, yes. <laughs> on my Zune. And... uh my buddy Alex was in the car with me and it was on shuffle and escape pops up. And of course the song doesn't start right off with the chorus. It, it, you know, starts up. I was tired of my lady and the whole like openings, like setup for it. And uh, Alex is just going, Oh wow. He had another song. And I was like, what? <laughs> what do you mean? He goes, Oh, escape by Rupert Holmes. I didn't know he had another song. I was like, Really? This is literally the only song I know of by him. What song do you know of by him? And he goes, oh, the Pina Colada song? And I was like, Alex, did did you not know that the name of that song is Escape? Parentheses, the Pina Colada song? He was like, no. Oh, is this the... And no sooner did he say that, he goes, if you like Pina Coladas on the radio. <laughs> he was like, oh, never mind. I guess we're both kind of dumb. I was like, yes, maybe not at the same level, some more than others, but definitely we're both dumb. <laughs> I can't, I, yeah, that's, that's a good choice of a, of a song. And I like how it showed up again in Guardians of the Galaxy. 100%. Yeah. I, I would love to see more comedic needle drops in, in badass fightery. Like I just, I, I, I get a kick out of it. <laughs> Do that more gang. I would really get tickled by it. <laughs> Whip out the Crayolas and color me tickled pink. I know I said that earlier. It's a callback. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. but anybody who's just listening to this, they don't fucking know. <laughs> uh, so, so speaking of callback, and I know, Justin, you wanted to bring up uh, principles. Uh, so this entire series is actually a callback to Alan Moore from Batman the Killing Joke. And all of this is sort of like a, a, uh, a pseudo, you know, continuation of the story actually it is a continuation because they make reference in in uh this issue yes they do yeah, yeah. so uh in, in alan moore uh wrote uh, all it takes is one bad day to reduce the sanest man alive to lunacy that's how far the world is from where i am just one bad day from uh batman the killing joke this book was written by tom king and art was by mitch gerard's and this is also the dynamic duo that did the Mr. Miracle uh, book, which was incredible. Yes. And uh, this was released on August 16th of 2022. Almost uh, almost a year ago from today. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so far, actually, all the books have been released, all eight. And I believe they sell them in a box set now. Yeah, I saw that on Amazon. It's like 150 bucks or something for all of them. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah, this uh, so this one issue it was a little bit larger. You're looking at about uh, seventy pages. Yeah. Um, but it, it before we get into it, I absolutely love this book. the 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 story was incredible. Definitely a a much darker look on the Riddler. Uh, what what did you gentlemen think? Oh, absolutely the same, Leo. Like I'm 
I'm no no stranger to Tom King's Batman run, and I love the way that he kind of throws stuff in there, especially dealing with psychology and all that. But I mean, there's genuine moments of fear in this book. The art is fantastic, you know, and it's and it's a deep layered character story where you have kind of things that it's like, oh, what's going to happen here? What's going to happen here? And it really kind of gives some idea of like the villainous journey of the Riddler, which I, I can't think of another thing that really develops him besides like Batman forever that I've really paid attention to, you know? Mm. And what about you, Brandon? I liked it. Um, I, I did catch the connection between this and the killing joke. I mean, if you ever read the killing joke and you read this, uh, I don't know how you couldn't, uh, honestly. Um, I was trying to put together the one bad day thing. Cause I have not read any of the others. I've only read this. Uh, I was not aware of it because I, you know, Batman is off my bat radar. Um, and that being said, uh, I, I, I knew that one bad day was also a direct reference to the killing joke. Uh, it's, it is amusing to me that, I mean, I, 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 I'm sure we're going to cover a lot of stuff with this obviously, but, uh, that they went with the one bad day thing, but ultimately by the end of the killing joke, uh, Joker's theorem that he's postulated is proven wrong. He is, it is proven wrong. Correct. So, like, to call it one bad day, like, uh, okay, but, like, the, the, whole, the whole point of the killing joke was to show that the Joker thought that his experience was ubiquitous. And that is clearly not the case. But this story and... This story and the other ones to follow i'm sure are all going to be landing on that same thing like oh they all had this one bad day and they they took the the crazy ass road less traveled by uh which actually doesn't jibe with what alan moore was doing with that story so i just find i find it an odd choice like it sounds good it really does it sounds great one bad day uh but if you look at the theme in in actual like execution of Alan Moore's story, uh, it doesn't line up. It it uh it does connect the villainous aspect of like this this universe, and you you can see in here when you're reading it, it's like oh okay, I get it. That was his bad day, and like when you get to like his the part with his father and all that, you're like oh okay, the part in the basketball court that was that was the Riddler's you know, uh, the birth of, of the character, the Riddler and yeah. all that as, as like a villain and all that. So, and now it makes me think it's like, Oh, there must be more to this. Like, was it covered up? Like, cause obviously there was stuff that happened afterwards. So I'm like, all right, that was his big regret, you know? Well, also there was a lot of lead up to that as well. You know, it, yeah. took, him, it took a lot for him to snap. I mean, even, you know, at one point, uh, attempting suicide, you know, before you yeah. know, eventually snapping. Uh, so uh, if you're watching the video version I have up on the screen, uh, Riddler uh, killed someone and uh, was caught by the GCPD. He's being uh, uh, spoken to by Commissioner Gordon. And uh, 
this is where it does make the connection to um, Killing Joke. Uh, Riddler is saying, uh, you don't like that one riddle me this? How'd the Joker know you'd be home with Babs that day? How did he know where you live? How did he get past your security? We both know him. He's a weird guy, complicated, but never much of a planner. Hey, Eddie. And he's he's uh, signaling that he's talking on. Hey, Eddie, how's tricks? <laughs> I want to do this whole one bad day thing, but I've got no idea where to start. You did that so well. <laughs> you got you got to change the, the page there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Oh, it didn't show. Okay. Oh, yeah. Well, because the whole thing is like, well, Jack, how about the commission is daughter? I have the whole thing staked out, but it was so easy. I got bored with it. I'll give it to you for a song. That would be perfect, Eddie. And tell you what, I'll throw in a dance for free. <laughs> Click. <laughs> it's like he's here. <laughs> I'm actually surprised I did the laugh that well at the end. I'm not gonna lie. You did it quite well. Yeah. Uh, I do so voices. I, I don't know if you if you know that. <laughs> did Did you guys get the idea that this was maybe like young Eddie was Eddie Redmayne and this was Kurtwood Smith? Kurtwood Smith, one hundred percent. Yeah, Kurtwood Smith, one hundred percent. And the thing for me. When I saw that and I saw the overbearing father, the very first thing that came to mind because of his similarity to Kurtwood Smith is they, I, I feel like they were trying to evoke the father he played in Dead Poets Society. That's a, yeah, Ron, yeah. Robert Sean Leonard. Yeah, maybe, maybe that is Robert Sean Leonard there. Because I, I was thinking even possibly Ethan Hawke right there. Ethan Hawke was a, who I thought <laughs> was who I thought while I was reading this. Straight up, Ethan Hawke. He does look like Ethan Hawke more often than not when he's younger. Although, while I was reading, I was like, oh, man, imagine if you got Ethan Hawke to play the Riddler. I would buy that. The uh, the father looks like the guy from that 70s show. Exactly. Kurtwood, Kurtwood Smith. Kurtwood Smith. Oh, that, oh, that is, okay. <laughs> yep, the, the guy who we just referenced. Listen here, dumbass. You know, know Boddicker, Clarence Boddicker from Robocop. Come yeah. here, Robocop. <laughs> uh, so uh, the storyline, well, I'll give a brief synopsis. Uh, so let's see. Uh, the Riddler has killed a man in broad daylight for seemingly no reason, but there's always a reason. The Riddler is always playing a game. There are always rules. Batman will reach his wits end trying to figure out the Riddler's true motivation in this epic psychological thriller that is not to be missed. And uh, totally agree. I, I, I love the the callbacks, you know, um, yep. uh, the we're we're floating between two timelines or three. Oh, uh, real, real quick. Yeah. Um, I, I just had a question because when the Riddler is, uh, is taunting commissioner Gordon here, uh, he actually, where is it? Shoot. Oh yeah. Yeah. He says, Oh, did people find out, uh, about Sergeant Essen? That'd be Sarah Essen. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know how you it's it's like you know all ampersanded and pound signed out but you know how you fucked her and then forced her to transfer 
so you could hide your sexy affair from your pregnant wife. Batman, you um, yeah. is that like a new 52 thing? Because the last thing I ever saw with Sarah Essen in it was the Joker throwing a baby up in the air for her to catch. And as soon as she caught it in front of her, he fucking stuck a gun directly in her face and blew her to kingdom come. I, I thought it was from uh, Batman year one, to be honest. Yeah, uh, same here. But hold on a second, because I think, let's see, No Man's Land. Uh, Joker shoots her in the temple after he saves babies from his plane. Yeah, that's so. So this is rebirth. I guess okay. so. It's yeah, kind of yeah. like a it's knitting together a couple of those because I remember that too. But that was no man's land, so it's like now that's like you're saying this is two timelines removed from that. So. Yeah. Okay. And, and I like I said, I was looking for some clarity because or it happened, and you know she's well, be, dead, but because she well she was married to Gordon. In that she was his wife. Yeah. With the uh, yeah, that was a while ago. That was uh, man, that was 1999. Yeah, yeah. It just goes to show how often I pay attention to this shit. Yeesh. Yeah, it's a good good callback, though. You know. Yeah, fair enough. Anyway, sorry about that. Just just looking for clarity. I, any I appreciate uh, it. any ideas on what's going on with his eyes? Like, does he have makeup? Is this just stylistic for like showing that he's being menacing? But I he's got makeup. like a like a greenish blue around his eye. Yeah, I, I, think I took it as makeup. Okay, I think it's makeup. Yeah, because they let him keep his makeup in prison. <laughs> Well, it wouldn't wipe it off for him. Yeah. You know? I mean, th think about think about the people they stick in a drunk take. They're not exactly handing them fucking wet wipes to fucking take off their lipstick and eyeliner and shit, you know? Yeah, it's it's um it's interesting too because the way that this is framed and all that is kind of brilliant. Like the idea that they start out like trying to get you a little bit of ideas. You're like, oh, what's going on with this guy? It's very law and order. Like, it starts out with this guy's like, oh, you know, my daughter doesn't want to go to practice. Am I doing the right thing? Am I pushing too hard and all that? Then we find out that's our victim, you know, and it's the Riddler and he holds up the card looking for Batman and all that. And it's like, OK, it's and, and this is a long play, like as as we see him doing this and the way it's framed with like the closed the closed circuit television recording and all that. It's in the text and all that. And then the text go black. It's it's actually really brilliant the way that everything is kind of storyboarded. Mm -hmm. I agree. Yeah, the use of of color um, going through it to present to flashback it's it's done very very well. Yeah, yeah. I, I like when these guys work together. I think they've got a really good flow. They're they're great friends. I've I've seen them at C two E two before. They're really funny. <laughs> I, I I think they're both going to be at Terrificon. They will be, yes. Yep. Oh, nice. It's gonna be a long line to get to that table, let me tell you. Yeah, yeah. No shit. yeah totally. Uh but yeah, so I mean we we kind of go from there to you know, we see his dad, and his dad is the headmaster of the academy that young Edward Tierney attends. Uh that is apparently Edward Nigma's real name. Uh and he uh basically the son uh, edward is a, a huge overachiever and forced at, at that he's a forced overachiever uh and he got the third highest grade on a test in, in one of his classes and as such his father um <laughs> rewards him by 
beating him uh like his uh beating his bottom with a cane uh and screaming at him uh are you the son of a whore and uh the kid going no sir and like whose son whose son are you and like i'm your son father um and you know so it's just like all kinds of healthy shit going on there yeah, and the uh, he, he's getting beat because he didn't get a perfect score. Uh, yeah, that's that's what I said. He yep. he was being quote rewarded for having the third highest grade on a test yeah. in one of his classes. Yeah, and the the one question that really stopped him up was the uh, the riddle, uh, the bonus question on the test, the riddle. Not a bonus question. Oh yeah, yeah, yep, yep, an actual test question. An actual yeah. test question because that that's a a sticking point. Yeah. Later in the story. Yeah, because he that's what's thrown down as great is the the riddles that he for some reason cannot get. Which I, I'm inclined to actually agree with Edward on this. Riddles should not be part of a test. It should be a bonus question. He was correct in saying, like, if you want to make it a bonus question, fine, but it shouldn't count towards the things that you teach in class and cover in class. Isn't it interesting though that the teacher who reminds me very much of uh, Mr. Mr. Cotter, um is is kind of telling him i'm doing this so you can learn to think and you can you can learn a different way of coming at problems and all of that really you got mr cotter huh kind of i was i was thinking of like the uh you know gabe kaplan sort of thing okay see that i was getting kurt vonnegut yeah that i mean they they look similar it was the the mustache does remind me of kurt vonnegut yeah yeah it was not just the mustache the hair too i mean the ghost of Kurt Vonnegut just told us to fuck ourselves. So it's definitely him. <laughs> so it's definitely Kurt Vonnegut. Yeah. <laughs> it's like I mean, like he was quite adamant. <laughs> Leo, if I if I can if I can share my screen for just a moment, I'd love to I'd love to just show you Kurt Vonnegut real quick. That that is who I was thinking of <laughs> whilst reading this whenever I saw the teacher. Maybe it's him displaced in time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Curdy Vonnegut has become unstuck in time. But yeah, so anywho. <laughs> um yeah, the the teacher is uh, you know, the the kids just like, you know, I don't I don't I don't get it. Like I I don't I don't know why you're doing this. You you're killing me. <laughs> And the guy's like, oh, come on, Ed. It'll be fine. You know, you get to learn how to think around corners. That's what life is all about. And he's like, yeah, just, just test me on the shit you're teaching, please. You don't understand. I'm getting the shit kicked out of me when I get a 98 on these tests. It's not it's not great. I I miss sitting down. <laughs> yeah, I miss it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, Justin, what was your connection with the teacher uh, before we started? You mentioned something. Uh, I was thinking of uh, Mr. Mr. Cotter from like Welcome Back Cotter, but he he does look a little bit more like like Kurt Vonnegut uh, than than him. But you know, it's it's funny though because like there's two people there that would have a similar sort of teaching style and teach mm. you to think outside the box and all that. And you know, um, like Von Vonnegut especially, like he he would write to classrooms and tell them to just write and create and think non-linear lin linearly and all of that kind of stuff so i could see this being very much in his wheelhouse yeah and 
I would not be surprised to find out that Tom King especially is a fan of Kurt Vonnegut, you know. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Mother Night and, you know, Breakfast of Champions, Slaughterhouse-Five, all, yeah. all that fun stuff. Um, I do think it's funny that we we have said at this point uh, in the past, like, okay, Kurt Vonnegut, but uh, that the kid that Edward Tierney, when he's young, looks like Ethan Hawke and that the father looks like Kurtwood Smith because yep. they were both in Dead Poet Society. Ethan Hawke was, was one of the main kids right alongside um, – Robert Sean Leonard and uh, uh, Josh Charles. The he, he was uh he was Sue Ellen's boyfriend who worked at Clown Dog in Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead. Yeah, I, I, I yeah. <laughs> you mean you mean Charlie? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it is just it's very interesting to me. And uh, Bruce Wayne here looking very much like John Hamm. Yeah. This was this was a little odd to me too that it's like he's there and he feels responsible and stuff and it's like like I the the thing about Tom King's Batman is that he does show emotion. It's very different than like the the picture that we got like for so many years up to this. So it's not weird because it's Tom King. It's weird because Tom King doesn't write the book now and we don't get a lot more of that after it's been uh, taken over by by different writers but this is one of those things i liked about his run is that you could see it's like he does care he he's also like emotionally stunted he doesn't know how to comfort her it's clear he doesn't but he cares well uh yeah tom king's uh batman started off so strong uh when like i think the first issue uh he's trying to save a plane from crashing into Gotham and, you know, he, he, he's convinced himself that he's going to die and he's talking to Alfred and he says, will my parents be proud? Oh, I remember that. I actually read that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, That was, that was very moving because, you know, you don't see too many instances where Bruce comes face to face with like, all right, well, apparently this was my last adventure. Yeah. You know, and I, I feel like that is a very reasonable, uh, very reasonable reaction to any number of situations that Bruce finds himself in. And maybe that's one of the distinctions of Tom King's Batman from what you guys are saying versus other iterations is, you know, maybe uh, for Tom King, Bruce really is Batman. And it's not that Batman is the persona. I never have a problem with Batman in these books. I have a problem with what's going around Batman or the characterization of another character or some new weird character that comes in, you know, that like that's, that's my issue with like the Tinian run is that it's like, Oh, of course there's some new weird character in here pulling the strings. Like, you know, that's not my favorite, but it's like with, with King's run, it's like, okay, you've got emotional gravitas here. You got a guy who is like, he's trying to support, what's going on and they're building to like him marrying Catwoman and there's really something going on with Bane and somehow Thomas Wayne is here. It's like, okay, there's all this stuff going on and you know, there's, there's all these things kind of like mixed, mixed in. And then it's like, Oh, well, here's a little offshoot where, you know, uh, he spends 10 years in a pocket dimension with wonder woman and and like, they almost fall in love, but they realize they've, they've got like, you know, commitments outside and it's like, Oh wow. There's like some really human moments there. 
or here's this weird thing of like you know booster gold who's like gotten mm. really old and <laughs> he looks like shaggy with like a huge beard and stuff it's pretty <laughs> crazy and you're like what where did this come from but it's like again you've got compassion and it's it's not something that you see and, and I feel like people get so like mired in like, okay, Batman has to act exactly how he acts in the animated series. Oh. And and it's like, yeah, that's great, but that's its own thing. That's not how he is all the time because he's also like this, or he's also like that because he's a character that can change and he's a character that evolves and he's a character that has had different writers with different takes. So yeah, more, 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 like moreover, moreover that, you know, the character is a person. Yeah, not not just not just the suit, you know, like it's really easy to focus on the bat. But I think it's a real challenge to put front and center in your story, the man. You know, and I think with Batman, just like with Superman or any other number of characters that have a very clearly defined alter ego. Uh, it's very important to show the balance and approach to different situations between each one of those those personas, essentially. Uh, and I actually do think that I've always sort of believed that Bruce Wayne is a far more sensitive, caring, and compassionate person than a lot of even fans out there would be ready to see slash admit. Um, and I mean, I have, I have evidence to back that up and first and foremost, Bruce Wayne watched a young boy lose his family right in front of him. What was Bruce Wayne's, what was Bruce Wayne's move after that? He wanted to make sure that that kid was okay. He took him in and it wasn't even, you know, especially if you get like further on, like, you know, Dick Grayson was a little older, you know, when he came to him, which I, I like, I, I don't think he needs to be 11 or 12, honestly. Um, I feel like there's a little bit more of a, a brotherly kind of thing, really pain in the ass kid brother that, that I feel like is, that has very strictly become Dick Grayson's role in the Batman universe, the Batman books at this point, which I'm all about. I, I love that Dick Grayson has become a character who loves and respects Bruce. They're on the same level, but at the same time, like he has zero issues calling Bruce out on the shit that Bruce himself really knows he should be getting called out on. You know, there's very few people that will do that to Bruce's face. Full stop. And probably Dick about Grayson, four of them that were Robins. <laughs> yeah. And Dick Grayson is is the honest to God, I, I really do believe this. Dick Grayson is the second most important opinion in the world to Bruce Wayne. I I think that he's probably the I would put Dick Grayson as um possibly the fifth most popular DC character. Yeah, I can agree with Superman, that. Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, Harley Quinn, and Dick Grayson. That and you know Nightwing. That's that's where I would put him. It's like he's so up there. They they refuse to actually kill him off in Infinite Crisis. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I I think they've done a lot of hard work on letting Richard Grayson become his own character. Well, um, he's leading the Justice League now, right? Is he? I didn't I read know. that yet. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'll be yeah, like, uh, it, yeah. you're not spoiling it. I'm just saying. My, I, my, I know my backlog of comics would yeah. make you fucking throw up, honestly. Uh, yeah, and, the, and honest in comicsology has not made it easy. I, I, I don't know where to fucking start with anything I own now. Yeah, uh, from what, what I understand, Dark Crisis, uh, essentially the Teen Titans took over for the Justice League. I need I, to read I, Dark I'm, Crisis, I just yeah. refuse to get sucked into it. Fucking and crisis, every, every crisis in the, in the past i bought like every book and every follow-up book and all that and i said you know what i'm gonna save myself some money this time and i'm not gonna buy the the speed metal you know special or anything because you got me you got me dc with death metal you got me i bought every freaking thing fool me once shame on you fool me twice i'm still gonna say shame on you i was three or more times though All right, I'll I'll see you your infinite crisis, sir. I'll I'm gonna I'm gonna forget about zero hour. We'll we'll let that one slide. But I'll Where see could you let that crisis. one slide. <laughs> but how about- Jordan got killed in that one <laughs> because it's utterly forgettable, and and also it finally corrected- liked it. it. Listen, the only reason that I let zero hour slide, the only reason, is because they they used it to correct what should have been done in Armageddon 2001. Yeah, it's, it is, it is important. It is often forgotten about. Absolutely. And now after our third reboot, does it even matter? But eventually that's, that's what happened and what led to, you know, the uh, resurrection of green arrow, you know, um, the specter being uh, hosted by the spirit of Hal Jordan, you know, um, that was like I actually the really like that. I really yeah. liked that. That was the most interesting Hal Jordan ever was to me. Was I don't at, disagree with that whatsoever. Yeah, him like, atoning for all the fucking horrific shit he did as Parallax. Yeah, that is that is a far more interesting Hal Jordan to me. I like I like the um, when he's going through space and he's finding um, and he's finding uh, like the blue lanterns and the red lanterns and lar fleas and all that. Like, I like that. I'm like, okay, cool. It's an exploration book. It's kind of like silver surfer in a way. And I'm like, this is, this is kind of a fun journey. It's different than what we've ever seen, but yeah, I, I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. It's like, I'm like, well, Kyle could do that. I was literally <laughs> just going to say like, I actually think <laughs> Kyle is better suited for that. Like Kyle more. I think Kyle is better suited for that anyway, just because like even with the the automatic translators within the rings and stuff, Kyle is a graphic artist and has a ring that can form anything his mind can picture. So he would on on a completely separate level be able to like communicate and put ideas forth to these different races that just speaking with them would not necessarily be able to do. He could show them things because of his own, his own mind's eye mm-hmm. and, and how Jordan can make a, a fucking giant boxing glove. Yeah. I mean, they, they really go out of their way to make Hal like this, this, you know, uh devil may care character and all that. And it's like, you know what? I've just never been sold on him. 
It's it's just one of those things. It's like I I liked him on superpowers because he had that kind of voice that was like this, and I'm like, okay, that's kind of cool, but he's just never been my favorite Green Lantern. You know, J- John Stewart in Justice League and Justice League Unlimited runs circles around Hal Jordan. You know, yeah. and and Kyle Rayner any day. Like if, if you ask me my favorite Green Lantern, I'm going to tell you it, it's it's going to be either Guy Gardner, you know, depending on on what's going on, or um, or Kyle Rayner. Yeah, I think for me it's Kyle Rayner, and and for me I say that only mo- mostly because of the fact that uh, more so than I shouldn't say more so, uh, straight up something that Hal, Guy, John never had to deal with. He was all on his own. Literally had nothing but the ring and a quick visitation from a small blue dude that gave him the ring. That's it. And he was the only one left. He was it. Yeah. Yeah. He was the only Green Lantern. You know, so he he just he had to figure it out as he went along. And and because of the fact that the ring was reformed, there were none of the impurities put in there. So it had no vulnerability to yellow or anything. It it stayed charged indefinitely. It didn't need to be recharged with the oath every 24 hours or it didn't need a lantern. Uh, but also it didn't have any access to any of the information or artificial intelligence of the central battery on OA. And therefore Alec, yeah, (laughs) no, no translation for coming across any other species that, that spoke a completely different language than anything on earth where his, his ability as a graphic artist came into play quite a bit. It really helped him. And, you know, oh, so the '90s was all about him. You know? <laughs> yeah, like... but there's, there's few, there's, there's like, I honestly think like Kyle Rayner and Wally West, uh, alongside, you know, Nightwing, they were, they were great representations of what like the next generation of these heroes were, and all that came to a screeching halt once we decided to bring Hal Jordan back and then Barry Allen back. Thankfully. Dick Grayson still has a place in the DCU because God helped them if they had walked it back and, and Dick was like either just not a, a, an entity or he was like suddenly 12 years old again. Yeah. Everyone thinks because you're a zombie, you don't know good coffee. Well, they're wrong. There's only one brew that gets my seal of approval. Deadly Grounds coffee is my guilty pleasure. The aroma is so intoxicating. It brings all of my neighbors out of the woodwork. Deadly Grounds coffee. Coffee to die for and zombie approved. It's good to get a little deadly. Use the front door! Oh, they're so disgusting. Yeah, they, they all got better. You know, he got shot in the head by KG Beast, I think, at the end of Tom King's run. And um, he didn't die. So he was okay. Not. You know, but... um. Well, poor... uh, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say poor Dick, but that's fine. <laughs> uh, so, so uh, yeah, just confirmed the uh, the world. There is no Justice League now, and starting in May, which already passed, obviously, uh, Teen Titans is being moved to Titans. They're no longer teens; they're getting yep. their own book. And, Tom Taylor, uh, right? Tom Taylor. Yeah. Oh, nice. So uh, the team is uh, led by Nightwing. 
and the roster of no longer teen heroes, Ravens, Cyborg, Starfire, Nightwing, Beast Boy, Donna Troy, and Wally West as the Flash. Uh, and uh, Wally West is currently starring in a mini arc in Taylor's ongoing Nightwing series, uh, which just reached its 100th uh, issue, it says. Cool is the name of the story arc. Fuck Barry Allen. That guy sucks. No, <laughs> I uh, doubt it. It doesn't say Leo's that's too bad. <laughs> He's so diplomatic. <laughs> uh, uh, I, I also want to bring up so what we have on screen here uh, the test is uh, Riddle Me This, and we all know that's uh, from the 66 uh, Batman. I don't know if it was said in the comics prior, though. I couldn't tell you. Yeah, I, I don't know the, the, uh, the origin of that but i mean it it was you know in the zeitgeist enough for jim carrey to say it yeah, yeah that's true yeah i i definitely know it, it start um it was definitely in batman 66 um but yeah i don't know if do you find the answer to this this riddle satisfying it i says, loved it <laughs> what is the english word um most commonly spelled incorrectly and he he writes the word enough yep yeah. Uh, and what's yeah, the answer, Leo? Incorrectly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and apparently that was enough to uh, to push him over the edge because that's you know the answer that uh, forces him to uh, you know find his dad's gun and try to blow his brains out, but it didn't go off. Yeah, he's so high strung. It's crazy. Yeah. Well, I mean, can you blame him? Honestly. I don't, I don't know, man. It's it's hard to understand his his mindset for me. So it's like when when you say that, I'm like, I don't I don't know. I don't know how. I... Oh, yeah. Mm. Oh, you're OK, mm. there, Justin. Yeah, no, I was just saying I don't know how I would feel in his circumstance. So it's a it's a real dilly of a head scratcher. I love this uh, Batman uh, trying to get details out of the henchman. Pulls yeah. him up right before the shark gets him. It's got some good timing. Yeah. I that timing. He, I wonder if he could see the shark. I think he can, yeah. <laughs> well, I, you mean uh, Batman? No, the guy can definitely see the shark. Sure. Yeah, because they would have some sort of ambient lightning lighting in there if it's an aquarium. That's true. Is it an aquarium or is it water? Uh, well, obviously water. <laughs> uh, I thought it was at a dock or something. Oh, maybe. Okay, maybe maybe it's just that. Yeah, because yeah, it's a crane. It, it could be. They they probably wouldn't have a crane like that because it's not Jurassic World and they're not, you know, lowering something for the Mosasaurus to eat. So I don't know. I guess I guess we can let that one go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This uh, this was freaking sick, though. Like the, the next page when when you get there. Yeah. So so um, uh, he's he's trying to get some information from the uh, the Riddler's uh, number one henchman. And then um, they bring back a character. <laughs> That I loved from way back in the Chuck Dixon era when they were doing Knights Quest, uh, like Knights Quest and and uh, Knights End. This is Film Freak, who is basically a serial murderer that acts out different characters from from movies and film. Yeah. I don't know if you guys were familiar with that, but he died. He died in like 1993 as well. So. 
But this is just crazy. It just goes to show how like the Riddler starts to influence people and get in their heads. Yeah, I mean, a bet's a bet. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it's crazy, right? This Absolutely. is very much like... Well, I mean, they are in Arkham Asylum, so that line's up. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just like that line. It's like, what do you think, I'm crazy? You'll turn the light off before I get across, you know, like straight, yeah, yeah. Out, of, straight out of... Uh, what do you think I am? Joke. What do you think I am, yeah. stupid? You're going to shut the light off before I even get halfway across. Exactly. You know, it, it, it's just like, oh, man. And I can't believe this guy kills himself based on a bet that he made with the Riddler. You know, yeah. and the, the Riddler obviously designed the contest for him to lose. So. He says, uh, I just didn't think you could actually name every actress in the chorus of the of Gold Diggers of 1933. That was certainly impressive. Next time, next time, I think I'll uh, think of something harder to ask. Yeah, so it seems like Film Freak asked Riddler that. I'm sure they were they were trying to just uh, pass well, the time. Rid Riddler probably said, "Oh, if you can, why don't you see if you can stump me? If I, yeah, if you stump me, then I'll do this. But if if I if I'm able to figure it out, then you have to slit your own throat. That that's probably what it was. And yeah. he's just crazy enough to take that bet. Riddle me this dipshit. And how crazy was this when they start talking about like what film freaks uh, desire to be buried? Oh was. my god! Like, what kind of Quentin Tarantino craziness <laughs> is this? So it's a, a second long film. Each uh, uh, frame of the film is going to be one piece of his body part. The TV oh. show is where Riddle Me This first appeared. So Batman sixty six. Yep, you're right. Cool. Um, the first issue where he said it, uh, came out after the broadcast of the first Riddler episode on the Batman TV series. Was it Frank Gorshin or was it John Aston? That's the question. Frank Gorshin. Yeah. The first episode of the Batman TV series was a fairly faithful adaptation of Batman 171 right down to using the cigarette later joke. However, on the TV series, Riddler leaves it for Batman and Robin as a recording, and he opens by saying, Riddle me this. So that's the first time the phrase was used by the Riddler, but if you want to look for a specific time when he used the phrase in a comic book, then you wouldn't have to wait very long, as later in 1966, in Brave and the Bold, number 68, by Bob Haney, Mike Sikowski, and Mike Esposito. The issue is clearly written by Haney, as a reference to the success of the Batman TV series. And sure enough, Haney has, has Riddler using his now famous catchphrase in the issue. Mr. Haney. Yeah. <laughs> Riddle me this. If a man makes a spectacle of himself, what crimes will lurk in the heart of the ice palace? <laughs> that That's word for word. How he laughed there. Ha ha. He he. That's pretty cool. <laughs> Uh, so the description of Film Freak's burial, just real quick. We're supposed to chop them into 24 pieces, the number of frames per second in a unit of film. Then we're supposed to take a picture of each piece and edit them together to make a one-second film. This film is to premiere at Cannes, where it will be just the first film shown at the festival. It must be the first film shown. When, not if, but when the film wins the palm, Palm d'Or, uh, we are to take all the body parts and the award to Grumman's Chinese Theater. Grauman, Grauman. Grauman's, Grauman's. 
Uh, so they're going to reassemble his body and stick it in concrete with a position that shows him holding the award. All of Hollywood is to be in attendance, including his mother. Anyway, Films Freak's body is off to be burned, and they'll throw the script in the fire with him. How absolutely <laughs> delusional do they show that character that that's his demand? Yep. It's it's so crazy, and it sets the stage where it's like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. Yeah, we know, Film Freak. We know. <laughs> Everybody is wildly aware, sir. <laughs> and, and I mean, the art everywhere, like one of the things that I, I love about the way that Mitch does this is the, the way he shows lighting. Oh, yeah. In all throughout this, like whether it's like the flare from a um, like a headlamp or like uh, headlights from a car or something like that, the trails that he does. It's something that he does just so well. Oh, just the, you know, looking at these two panels uh, on opposite pages, it definitely, you know, blends blend yeah. <laughs> blend and also i mean the once again i mean going back from from here we have we have another flashback uh once batman gets to you know a dilapidated old shack um we see that everything involving the riddler the present as it were is a wash in green there's mm -hmm. a green hue a green tint to everything oh. and it it gives it gives a almost sickly worn down look to everything a pallor like mold, to everything you know yeah um Tinge. it's just everything is green whereas we go back to eddie edward tierney and everything is uh it's not sepia it's it's orange it's a it's a it's a livelier tone uh almost almost the exact opposite of green uh on on the color spectrum um and uh it, it just goes to show how the world looked different likely to Edward Tierney at that moment in time, at that th those points in time, versus what reality is now, and, you know, and and we're getting kind of a glimpse of that as as the audience, you know, just like ha having that sort of third person uh, viewpoint. Are you going for the color scheme, Leo? You're going to try to I see am. what it is. Cool. Yep. I, what's happening here? It's interesting. The uh, while Leo does this, Brandon, the part that you were talking about was how he actually went to um, the teacher to complain about how this should be a bonus question for yes. extra credit rather than um, rather than an actual um, uh, question on the test. So, ha have you run into something like this before? No, I haven't actually. Um, as a matter of fact, uh, I went to I went to private school as well for for many years. Uh, when I was in sixth grade, we actually had uh, one of the one of the priests of the parish that my my school was a part of. Uh, he taught a class in uh, uh, three dimensional thinking, um, 
it went it, for sixth graders. It, like it was, it was a class you took in sixth grade, like getting ready to go into junior high, and a lot of it was uh, riddles and and things like that, like learning how to think around corners. Uh, and that's when I realized, like, I I really love fucking riddles. <laughs> like, uh, part of it is because, like, I do have a tendency to think the long way around, so I do see angles sometimes. And the thing I really enjoy about riddles is, more often than not, the answer is right in front of you. And because of the pressure we put on ourselves to try to solve such a thing, we overexert our critical thinking capabilities and go well past what the answer actually is. Uh, And, you know, like that's exactly what, what Edward did on the test. Like what, what word in the English language is most commonly spelled incorrectly? Mm -hmm. Well, the word incorrectly, obviously (laughs) that, that makes sense. And it's always like a head slapping moment. You know, you know, uh, but you know, it's, it's, it's like little things too. You gotta think about like, uh, you know, if you say like, uh, feed me and I live, but give me a drink and I'll die. What am I? A VCR. So close on that. So close. Uh, a fire. You feed a fire. It'll stay lit. And it'll keep growing. But if you pour water on it, dunzo. Well, things like that. It's it's always, you know, it's it's like little things. You have to pay attention to the small details and not make a mountain out of a molehill, as it were. And if anything, this kid, his entire life is making mountains from molehills because he's known nothing else. So uh, so I took some samples of the colors, the green and the orange, um, mm-hmm. and uh, they're not complementary. Orange is complementary with a blue, bl- bluish, yeah. yeah, and green is complementary with a purple. Uh, the there is a tetradic um, combination, which. If I put in the orange, uh, green does show up, um, but, or a triadic. I think it was triadic. Yeah, usually in in um, artwork they they have uh, greens paired with reds, but yeah. um, with a purple I could see that too. The purple is normally what they'll do to show a villain in a story. Well, they'll go with like the off off. Um, like red or blues or yellows or anything vibrant like that. That's why in the old Marvel comics, you used to see all the villains were purple and green. So that was a thing back in the day. I mean, we even see that with the Riddler and the Joker. Yeah. He's literally purple. Yeah. I didn't think of it. He's got the purple sort of inlays. Yeah. Good call. Mm -hmm. So uh, I don't know if uh, you've ever used this, but Canva has a color wheel, which is a really cool. Oh, wow. Uh, so you can put in the colors. You can play around and see what's complementary. Nice. Yeah. I like that one. Yeah. Yeah. This is a lot of fun to play with, but not Batman related. So. <laughs> um, we this was were... an intense scene. <laughs> yeah. It, it, yeah. It just gets darker and darker from here. Um, 
Well, we see real quick, like the flashback, we see Ed, Edward's desperation to try to get the teacher to quote, be fair. Uh, and he says like, you know, that's, it's fine if you want to add the riddles, but like, can you make them a bonus question? It's not really what you teach us in class. And the guy starts on again with his like, Oh, but that's what life is, man. You have to be ready for blah, blah, blah. You know, real Coolsville daddy O type attitude. And it's like, all right, man, like, that's great that you want to make these kids think, but you're not even like covering that kind of shit in your class. So that's left field type bullshit. I don't, I, I, I do don't agree, agree with, with you. It. Yeah, I, I agree. It's, it's one of those things where it's like, I feel like he was being unnecessarily cruel without being cruel. Like he just completely misunderstood what his student was even saying. And just, it also comes to a fair amount of <laughs> ego for that teacher. And they show oh, him yeah. being nice and aloof and all that. But realistically, he shut him down without even considering what his point was. So it's I like, mean, that is kind of shitty. Like, the fact that the kid came to him and was clearly, like, frustrated, not even, like, mad, you know what I mean? Upset. And Edward actually says, I'm sorry, I'm not doing anything right. Like, that... If you're a fucking teacher, you're an educator, you're around kids like that all the time, and someone who's that high achieving says something like that, that should be a fucking warning sign that there is a problem. Mm -hmm. You know? And this guy just... He just went about his fucking day. You know, like... It, it's piss poor teaching. I, 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 don't, I don't agree with the approach there. I think, once again, if he even came close to discussing three-dimensional thinking in his classroom lessons at all, then I would still say add a riddle as a bonus point, as a, as a bonus question. But if that's not an actual subject and topic in your class, in your syllabus, why the fuck are you testing kids on it? That's is not it, fair. Is it a literature class? Is it English? Like, I, I wasn't sure exactly. I think it's, I think it's English. Yeah, because it didn't seem like it was history, so I don't know if it was writing or some sort of language arts or something. But yeah, it it just didn't seem to jive with everything, and I'm like, that doesn't make sense. You know, it's like like I used to have uh, teachers that would put stuff on there about the Yankees, and I was like, I refuse to answer this damn piece of question. <laughs> <laughs> but but that's me. I'm petty, so. <laughs> Yeah, for me, I just be like, uh, go sports ball. I guess. Yeah, I exactly. I Whatever. I, I I think this is where we really start to see um, Edward change. Uh, you know, he's definitely extremely pissed off. You know, in the last frame here, uh, going from extremely worried and uh, sorry to um, he does then commit his first crime. So he does, yeah. I think I think at I don't I really think he's pissed off per se right there. I think he's dismayed. You know, that is that is a combination of frustration and disappointment that hasn't quite bubbled over into the rage that does make its way to the surface a little later on. I think he's this is he's definitely got disappointment because like you you can see here he's being, you know, just pushed off. And he's not being heard, so at absolutely. all, yeah. it was just par for the course in the kid's fucking life. Oh God, yeah, good point. You know, just some a, a teacher who he clearly liked, you know, 
I never got the uh, the impression that he disliked the guy. It was, and that's part of the reason why he thought he could go and talk to him. You know, this is a kid who clearly, like, you know, ha- he 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 probably has a little bit of mistrust for authority. You know, considering what his life has been, and for him to go to this teacher and very reasonably, he wasn't whining. Yep. He wasn't complaining. He was stating his case. And like I said, very reasonably so. And this guy uh, just, you know, got him out of his office and said, oh, yeah, shit's tough all over, kid. Deuces. That's that's really what it yeah, boils down. Pretty much. Pretty much. You know, just very un-Kurt Vonnegut, by the way. So, Oh, 100%. Kurt yeah. Vonnegut wouldn't do that. I mean, he wouldn't do a lot of things right now because he's dead, but you, yeah. you get it. <laughs> Uh, I I just want to point out, you know, in the beginning, we we definitely see a transition uh, of Riddler Uh, in the beginning. You know, Batman doesn't want to go see him because he's I think he said not worth his time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, we're getting to the point where things start to get really dark. Obviously, uh, Edward has uh, or Riddler has. kind of befriended this guard and to the point where he lets his guard down uh to uh to his error where riddler essentially chops off his fingers yeah like it's, a, it's uh, brutal the tray yeah that's that's insane can't believe they wouldn't be using styrofoam trays for those fucking yeah movies. it's it's one of those things where it's like you, you think it and that's probably what happens now you know but yeah. <laughs> I don't know, but then again, Ar- Arkham was always kind of, uh, you know, trying to save money too. So you never know. Mm. But yeah, so we go from that to uh, Batman confronting Dana Tierney, the former headmaster of Anne Dieter Academy. Uh, also, you know, the Riddler's pappy. Mm-hmm. And uh, that guy is a dick. He tries oh, yeah, to shoot figure. Batman with the shotgun. Batman does not like that. I no. feel it's worth stating. Yeah, yeah. He he uh, he expresses as such that he does not actually, like this. <laughs> yeah, I, I I love what he says to him. I, it, let me see. It's uh, <clears throat> let me. I just want to say, Mister Tierney. Despite the rumors in the press, I am not omnipotent. I have an unfortunate weakness for mercy that has too often led to careless mistakes and lingering pain. What a friggin' line! However, the moment you fired that gun at me. I lost my taste for any mercy. So, as you pull that trigger, know that the weapon is aimed at you. That you are making a careless mistake. That your mistake will lead to lingering pain. (laughs) That's that's a lot of words to waste on a narcissist. You know? It's like he's already blasted you twice. He's like, yeah, I I wish you had died, but apparently this doesn't work. But, you know, I'm still a jerk. It's a hell of a threat, too. Like, oh, yeah. No, yeah. it's it's a great line. I'm just thinking it's wasted on someone who just doesn't even care about his own Your life. Your mistake before. will lead to lingering pain. Like, fuck. All right, I'll put the gun down. Isn't it funny <laughs> like, how that promise is is then enacted on Edward? Yeah. That, yeah, that's very true. Yeah, 
lingering pain. Yep. So, yeah. Mercy. Yep. Uh, you, you are correct, sir. You are correct, sir. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, Johnny. <laughs> I mean, this is this is a, a decent part because it establishes a little bit of like what he dealt with growing up. But I mean, it's also kind of like, all right, you know, it's it's not like the the meat and potatoes of the book. No, not at all. I mean, it, it's it's really like we we've gotten a much clearer view of what Edward's life is like in the flashbacks with yeah. him as a kid at Andita Academy with his father as the headmaster. Everything his father is saying to Batman we as the audience, because we've actually seen just a couple of portions of Edward's life at that moment in time, understand that a lot of what this father is saying, what his father is saying is fucking bullshit. Like, yeah, he may have like tried to make sure he, he was, he was excelling in, in academia and what have you, but like at the cost of the kid, you know, that he was, he was so physically, emotionally and psychologically traumatizing to that child that the fact that he was pushing him academically to be the best, it's really a moot point. Like what yeah. the fuck? Wait, so he can be the smartest guy in the fucking loony bin. Cause that's, that's really what it boils down to. He makes that, that one line, I think at the end of this where he goes, I lost him um, 30 years ago on the basketball court. And you're like, what i wonder if that'll come into play like what yeah. what do you mean yeah what, what was he in fucking ill-fated game of pickup i don't get it was he trying to reenact space jam yeah as as we all have tried <laughs> i mean so, i believe uh, i could fly so <laughs> <laughs> uh his father talking about uh edward saying that he could read at a year and a half new greek latin calculus and uh teacher after teacher came to me to boast about my boy's intelligence his potential to become a great scholar a great man they had seen the best children in the world had to offer and edward exceeded them all there are yeah he, he throws yeah, you're, you're about yeah. to hit it. He throws back there to Mr. Terrific, which he had just uh, finished writing uh, Strange Adventures. Don't read Strange Adventures. <laughs> it's not great. It's not. No, it's, really it's not. not. And it's the same creative team. You mean Mr. Like, Miracle? Yeah, read. No, read Mr. Miracle. Don't read Strange Adventures. Yeah, you know, Mr. Miracle you, is really good. Yeah, you said Mr. Or, Terrific. I was, I, I was confused. No, Mr. Was like, Mr. Terrific is in... He's he's basically doing this uh, investigation throughout that book, and you know you oh, go through and you're like, yeah, oh, yeah, he's yeah. so freaking smart and all that, and he is, but the story is not great at all. No, it, and it, it, it is not. nothing nothing to do with Mister uh, Terrific because he's great, but um, that story is trash. So Adam Strange, trash. Don't I had to explain. It. I had to explain the concept of Mister Terrific to my wife like a week and a half ago, which ended up being about ten minutes longer than I planned on it being which that's, means that's it, all you need and i mean it, it's funny too because like it'll never happen now but i think the best casting for mr terrific would have been um who is currently playing kang jonathan majors yeah, <laughs> like oh that would have been amazing but why would he play a little bit part you know so but anyway yeah, yeah. I, I it's just it's it's trash but they mention him right there so michael holt yeah, they yeah. say uh, there are Waynes and Holtz and Luthers. I have known them, taught them, studied them. But next to my boy, eh. 
and he's still an idiot. And that comes he, into play a little later. He's not even considered. So Edward, Edward Nigma, Edward Nashton, whatever you want to call him, Edward Tierney is not even considered one of the top three or five minds in the DCU. You know, Batman is, but Ray Palmer's above him. Um, you know, Michael Holt is above him. Lex Luthor is number one. That's how it's always been, you know? And yeah, but to, to the point of, of this, as we, we will see a little later on, uh, part of that is because the Riddler was more focused on just having fun. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He, uh, he gets a little scary. Yeah. Man. This is definitely a harrowing Riddler. I mean, like, I know a lot of people thought that, like, Riddler was uh, real, you know, nitty, gritty, dirty uh, in Matt Reeves' The Batman, which he was, but uh, that Riddler ain't got shit on this Riddler. Yeah, and he was pretty smart in that one, too. So it's yeah. like, I, yeah, there's a clear delineation because this one is like, yeah, I've I've saw, like, three moves ahead of you. You're like, holy crap. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah, more than three. This is an asshole. I'll be like, I'm 50 moves ahead of you. I finished that game last week. <laughs> like, that's <laughs> that's that's uh, that's Eddie Nigma in this one. So, uh, he, he's talking to his father again, but we get to the point where in a flashback, in a flashback, yeah, in a flashback, in a flashback. Um, so obviously, he's uh, stealing the uh, the test, it looks like. Yeah, uh, he's he's trying to he's stealing the answer key for the next test that that particular teacher is going to uh, give. And he gets the answer to the riddle that's going to be at the end of it. What disappears when you say its name? And we, we get the answer a little later. You actually get the answer on the very next fucking page. We do. Read the next line. Oh, silent. You're a, you're completely silent during this procedure. Any talking, any noise, any movement, any resistance at all will be met by swift and severe punishment. Yeah, it's just it's I foreshadowing, but yeah, what like the fact that it goes from the flashback right into the present, that is an indicator right there. Like, oh, this is kind of answering the question that was just asked that we ended on. So, yeah, you'll be complete. And, and you'll notice, too, uh, the font of silent is bold. Bolded. Yeah. As opposed to every other word in that sentence. Ah, comics. <laughs> Uh, so now we get extremely dark. So they're getting ready to move Edward. And uh, Commissioner Gordon has uh, a couple of his people there, have him at gunpoint. And just from a few words of him talking to the guards, they uh, they just they just started blasting. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, he definitely influenced everybody to just start blasting. And... Um... He scared them all because he rattled off their names and addresses and kids and all that. And Gordon's mm. just sitting there like, what the hell? You know? Yeah. Once again, like 50 moves ahead, he probably memorized the names, locations, and families of every single one of the guards there. Yep. 
you know, so he's walking through that place and his brain is just a straight up Rolodex of every fucking person there, every cop, every guard, every law enforcement official. You must have that makeup off there because now you, you don't see it underneath his eyes anymore. Yeah. They, they, they made him they made him take a shower and probably deloused him. This is sugar. It's delicious. <laughs> I'm sorry about that. It's delicious. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Commissioner Gordon tells them to switch to rubber bullets. And uh, Edward says, hey, hey, Andrew, before you listen to Gordon here, please remember that you have three children, Maya, Caroline, and Caitlin, who go to Brent Community School on Conway. And that I have escaped from Arkham over three dozen times. And I will again, and I will find them, and I will kill them. Put the emphasis on the wrong word there. It's, I will find them, and I will kill them. (laughs) Did he forget to say he had a certain set of skills? Yeah. (laughs) If you let let her go, that'll be the end of it. I won't search for you. I won't look for you. Brad Pitt? Oh, sorry. You don't let her go. I will I will search for you. I will find you. And I will kill you. Good luck. <laughs> uh, so uh, I don't know how this happened, but we have all the guards apparently dead. Yeah, they've all shot each other. And Nygma's just standing there in the room, like holding court in front of a yeah. very bewildered Gordon. Uh, Gordon, do you think you could call him again? I'd very much appreciate it, referencing the Batman. And all Gordon says is, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Man, you talk about someone who's seen fire and who's seen rain. <laughs> it's called the callback there, kids. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> man yeah so uh we we move along move along see batman's doing his fucking buzzing through gotham thing like oh look there's a giant spotlight with a bat on it in the sky i wonder what this is on a boat i uh i got a little lost here who's talking in these boxes huh it's the person that lived next door to the woman that was killed Okay, gotcha. Yeah. And it's like, everyone fights here. What am I supposed to do? Call the cops? Half the fuck is in here beating the wives of uh, beating their wives of Gordon's boys. Saw that lady in BC one morning with a bruise on her face in the shape of a badge. Swear to God. So what do you want? Seriously. I hear screaming. I'm supposed to what? Rush all around like a fucking hero? banging down the door. Hey, it's me. Stop it. I don't know you, but I guess I'm dying for you, so... Or what? I get a flashlight and cut out a little bat puppet, hang it out on all nice, shine it out of the window, wait for you to solve everything? Then she'd be kicking around. The city would give me the keys to it? Everything would be all fucking hunky-dory? Please. No one can save these people. She was a nice lady, though. She used to watch my cat when I had to go out of town for business or something. Not that it's any of your business, Batman. I don't do anything you wouldn't approve of. But yeah, we chatted. I knew her. I'm not saying I didn't. She was friendly, but she didn't have a lot of friends, you know? 
She'd worked the street for most of her life, a veteran of that particular war. She had fucking stories, man. She wasn't shy about it. Back before Gordon, when things were real wild, when Gotham was still Gotham. That's where she served, you know? Made her money the same way we all do these days, right? Sold something people wanted to buy. Anyway, I guess you could say she was retired mostly. I mean, she was still doing a shake here and there, but not all the time. You don't pay into Social Security in that trade, but she wasn't the ripest fruit on the tree if you get that. But I guess she had to do, do a little to get a little. Walls are thin. I heard a lot. She had regulars, old guys who had been coming for years and some young ones with taste. I thought it was one of them when the shouting started. I didn't see anything, you gotta understand that. I can't tell you who it was or what his name is or if he's seven feet tall, nothing. I would say it seemed like they were familiar, the way she was crying and pleading and he was going off. It sounded like people who wanted something from each other, not just like in the moment, but over a long time. Mostly, he just kept asking her questions, screaming fucking question after question at her, throwing it at her, relentless. Oh, where have you been? Why did you leave? What did you do? Vague kind of shit. Not that I didn't blame her for not answering him, but he kept going question after question. And she's pleading with him, just give her a second. But the questions, they keep going on and on. Like, I was literally getting bored. And finally, fucking finally, he stops. Finally. He gives her a fucking second to answer, just to fucking breathe. And I hear her start, right? She's like, okay, give me a second. All right, let me explain. And then, like, all of a sudden, fucking nothing. Quiet. She's about to talk and then doesn't say another fucking word. A few minutes later, I hear a guy leave. Right out in the front door. A door and a click and stomping feet, man. Not running or nothing. I don't see the lady since. I knocked once or twice. She didn't answer. I don't hear anything about her. I'm sorry to hear she's dead. She was a good lady, a good neighbor. I got no judgment against her. She lived her own life, you know? That's more than 99% of the suckers out here that are doing. She had a pride to her. I liked her. Smart, too. Always reading and shit. I hope you catch the trash who did it. And if you do, bad man, you bring that little fucker right to me. Right here so I can look him in his face. Because I never got to. But then, he's so desperate for answers, I'll give him some fucking answers. You had too much fun with that. <laughs> I did. It was great. Yeah. If you well, look at guy, um, we, we never great. see we never see who that person is. We only yeah. get the explanation they're given giving as Batman makes his way from where he clearly just had that conversation to Jim Gordon at the top of the Gotham City Police Department uh sending the bat signal out. Yeah, he's yeah. he's putting two and two together on on the way. By you the know, way, in that do you guys catch what the the neighbor was saying? Like, she had a pride to her. Smart too, always reading and shit. Mm -hmm. I like the implication that Edward probably got his brains from his mother. Mm -hmm. You know, she was just never given the opportunity to learn the way he he did. 
you know, so his father was absolutely nothing in regards to his, his intelligence. It likely all stemmed genetically from his mother, which of course is the ironic part about how his father made Edward think about his own mother because she was quote, just a whore, right? Sex workers are people too, everybody just saying. I absolutely love the art on these pages. Fantastic. Yeah. yeah. And I, I was saying on the next page after this one, um, it's very uh, Mike Bignola-esque. Like uh, when you get down, like the use of shadow there and um, yeah. like, kind of like the Batman and all that. Oh, yeah. it's like right there. It's like straight out of Ga like Gotham by Gaslight. It's so, so good looking. Yeah. Just let the outline do the work for you. Mm -hmm. 100%. Yeah. <clears throat> this is where it gets really scary because we're at the point where Riddler is like unstoppable. Yeah. Uh, no one Gordon's, wants to touch him. Yeah. Gordon's just given up. You know, there's nothing more I can do. Everybody's scared of him. Five guards quit this morning, say they're moving their families to another state. Hell, I'm terrified. And uh, the yard, uh, the back suggestion insistence rather works for me. I uh, give you two some room. And he's not going to be tied up or anything. I'm throwing away another good cop on that. I'm not throwing away another good cop on that. Uh, he should, you should know, he's not the man he used to be. Now we go to another flashback. The uh, essentially one bad day. Oh, look at the basketball court they're on. I wonder what happens here. Uh, I guess turned into a pickleball court. <laughs> how 2023 of them yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. very forward-thinking academy yeah. <laughs> quiet uh, <laughs> quiet you <laughs> so uh edward's talking to uh his teacher and uh he's uh saying edward uh, uh you're gonna want to play uh to just come here and play a game it sounds silly right but on the other side you'll see this is what uh we're really going for and you're there already. Oh, I see. Yes, yes. Yeah, well, I graded the test this morning. You know what? Uh, you want to know what? Uh, how you did? I'm going to tell you. My eyes are going. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, uh, he says, he's. I graded the test this morning. You want to know how, how you did? I'm going to go out on a limb and guess you do. Yes, sir. I very much hope it was all right. I worked diligently on it. Super funny thing, though. At the last second, I changed one question, the riddle there at the end. I saw one in the paper I liked. First you eat me, then you get eaten. What am I? Oh, really? And yet you wrote down silence, which is the answer to the riddle I was going to use, but I didn't. As if, I don't know. What do you think? I, there's been a mistake. Edward, if you're going to cheat, buddy, at least do it well. You didn't even bother to read the question? But it's Professor Yellen, you can't tell my father. I'm sorry, man. I really am. You know I have to. And I think this will all be for the best in the end. Maybe this will show you. Rick. Look at his face. <laughs> I know, I know. You have to stop being so concerned with being smart and just lighten up and have some. And that's when Edward kicks him in the back of the fucking head yep and he goes face down on the basketball court ground 
And uh, he's just like, oh, no, I- I'm sorry. Please, I'm so sorry. Here, sir, let me help you up. It'll be okay. I'm sorry. But don't tell Dad about this, though, because if he knew, you don't know him. He's not who you think he is. He doesn't play games like we do. And then he slams his him face down into the pavement and lifts him back up, and he's now clearly got, like, you know, probably a missing tooth and a broken nose. He goes, he doesn't know how to have fun. He thinks you just have to win at everything. He really doesn't know how joyful it can be to just let go. No. Professor, ask me that again, the riddle that I missed. Now that you mention it, I think it would be a blast to solve. What was it? Oh, yes. Slams him face down into the pavement again. First, you eat me. Brings him back up, just a bloody fucking pulpy mess starting on his face. Then, crack, down to the pavement again. You get eaten. What am I? And this is really cool how they split yeah, yeah. The the splash all together. What um, a storytelling mechanism, you know. Showing the full court. However, the left side of the court, um, from it's not quite halfway, but the left side of the court is the orange haze of memory flashback, and the right side is at night, with shadows being cast downward toward that orange side and it's Batman standing on the court where Riddler is standing at the opposite end with a basketball and Batman answers the riddle of fish hook. But uh, it is, it is quite the visual. It is, yeah, it is. done remarkably well. Um, yeah, I was I was really taken aback by that. I, I really really liked how that was done. And uh, yeah, go go ahead, Leo. Go go fucking nuts. Uh yeah. So uh, we we get the final confirmation. Confirmation is this the final one? No, uh, we're, no, we're still not there yet. Oh, okay. He's he's basically gloating to Batman that um, he knows what he's going to do, and that if he lays a hand on him, he's going to he's going to just kill somebody at, um, at, uh, random. And I think this is the part where he tells him that he knows his identity, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. He, he go, you know, Riddler says to him, do you ever get tired of being right? You killed your mother. I've killed a lot of people. I'm not a very nice person. Besides, at least mother got to live a fi- to a fine old age. I wasn't the one who freaked out during a sword fighting movie, making my parents walk me home through crime alley, ending their happy days a tad early. Do you want me to be dazzled? Should I clap? I knew who you were. Did you know me? I did. I do. You're an idiot. No, Batman. Actually, I'm not. And that's when it gets real fucking janky <laughs> yeah it gets pretty dark here you know <laughs> yeah he basically he basically tells him like yeah i i've been in and out of all these places i know everything that everyone doesn't want me to know including you like he lays it out for batman he's just like he says uh you know i used to go into your mansion during the day <laughs> well 
while you were out trying to solve riddles on giant typewriters that I left out. And he's like, I wanted to check on you and make sure you were all right. You know, getting close to solving it, whatever it was that we were doing. You know, lots of security, but it was all pretty predictable. And uh, I did that a lot of times over the years. I have very fond memories of seeing you asleep in your bed, not to mention Dick and Jason and Tim and little Damien. I liked watching them grow up and go out on their own. I still visit them now and then. <laughs> not that they notice. <laughs> Lies. <laughs> Come on, Bats. <laughs> like, he's not lying. You know he's not lying. Nah, and, see, uh, they, paint, they paint a nice picture, but there ain't no fucking way. You know? <laughs> uh, I mean, it, it is. I mean, to, for him, the, the next tidbit, though, where he's like, in the unimpressive safe in the living room behind the portrait of your parents, there is some light spending money, a few hundred thousand. I took one dollar once to see if you'd notice. I bet you did. So that mystery's done. But in the safe in your bedroom, which is much more thoroughly protected, which is actually very well done, really. There you keep one little scratched pearl. Your poor mother's, I presume. You want me to hit you? <laughs> Which I love, like you, so you just cruising for a bruising now, Eddie. <laughs> yep. Again, very, very much in line with a uh, killing joke. And uh, that's that's where it lines up. Where you know he's like, "No, I don't like it when you hit me. It hurts. In fact, from now on, anytime you touch me, for whatever reason, whenever I get free, and I will, I'm going to kill a robin." Maybe not one of the boys, maybe Stephanie or Cassandra, but someone. You may ask, wouldn't I do that anyway? Well, if I did, then I wouldn't have a threat that you'd care about. So it's really a win-win. And that's really at the crux of what the Riddler is doing to everyone in some kind of position of authority throughout the entirety of Gotham City. And with the secret gone, Batman becomes vulnerable in this interaction. And he's just like these guards and anything else with his family threatened. So predictably, from Edward Nigma, uh, he does put his hands on him. And he grabs him by the throat and he holds him aloft. And, you know, Rick, this is where uh, Riddler talks about his sort of gambit. Where he's like, I know that you were going to touch me. I knew it. I called it. So I changed my my uh, ploy to instead of killing one of your robins, just kill some person at random. So that person, that uh, John Oates, that was my person. And you're just kind of sitting here as the reader, like you bastard. You know, <laughs> it's got such a, emotional pull to it, and you're like, oh, I can't believe he freaking did that. And and sure enough, Batman could not control himself. Nope, not at all. And, and then, of course, we get like a, a soliloquy, in essence, from Edward stating like, you know, yeah, he did go to see the woman who was his mother and he did have all these questions for her. And yes, he did kill her before she could answer. And the fucking crazy thing about that is the reason he stopped her is because he didn't want the answers. He enjoyed the riddle. He'd rather keep the riddle going then have it end and not be quote fun anymore. They definitely portray him as an absolute psycho and this just amazing. Yeah. You know, total socio and psychopath. 
and it's and and it's so different than the riddler that we saw in the batman you know it's it's a different type of sickness yeah yeah the 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 riddler in the batman definitely suffers from a lot of paranoia as well as as well as you know having a very high level of intelligence yeah Uh, this is a doomsday prepper you know yeah this is not a conspiracy theorist uh paranoid individual this is somebody who is cold and calculating and it turns out the riddles were the thing that were keeping him from being an an actual menace and without the riddles he's he is just a fucking horror show on legs yeah I love how he stops the game just by uh, killing the basketball with a battering. Yeah, with a battering. <laughs> pop. <laughs> pop, pop. It's been raining this whole time and he finally puts his hat on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you know, he's bald. It just runs right down anyway. It's the one downside of not having hair. You get, you get top of your head even remotely wet or moist. It just rolls right down and people see that and because it looks like you're sweating far more profusely or anything like that than anybody else around you they automatically think you're about to die it's the worst that's why you gotta get that jack moon headband (laughs) you okay uh yeah i'm just i'm bald the fuck i don't know what you expect here (laughs) so uh riddler is just free to leave arkham uh he says goodbye bruce i'll see you around just please remember, will you? Riddles are fun, but I'm not. Mm. That's so cold. Yeah, he's fucked up. And uh, yeah, so we we go through and we find out that Riddler's pretty much been doing whatever the fuck he wants. Uh, there's also talk amongst uh, you know the the gotham police as well as the criminal underbelly that uh batman's scared of riddler and nobody can touch him uh even the five families the mafioso they they basically they apparently they weren't too convinced of of enigma until he had each one of the five heads of each family wife murdered so five women were all killed to prove his point and then they had an emergency meeting they were like yeah leave him alone he can do whatever he wants and if he needs help we give it to him instantly becoming the most powerful man in gotham yeah and uh they say hearing the same from the crazies all those guys used to laugh at the riddler he was a joke now they're all in awe of him now listen to this. Maxi Zeus surrendered this morning. He said he wasn't God anymore. And then he carved a question mark in his forehead. It's fucking disturbing. Yeah. Thank God. Um, yeah. And I mean, they talk about Black Mask, who is absolutely say, frightening. You know? Yeah. And Enigma killed him. <laughs> Had him killed, I think. Right? I, I wasn't sure if he was dead or whatever oh, from black the mask tried to negotiate with nigma that's all we get and we see that he's wearing a fucking toe tag in gotham city police department more yeah. oh that was oh i thought that was his dad i thought so too i wasn't sure that that was black mask but i oh I think that was pop. 
No, no, it's not oh, his father no, because no, his father's yeah. alive in the very next, next panel. One, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> uh, I thought this was cold. Uh, so Gordon's talking. I went out there myself once, just parked across the street to see uh, if he went out for the night or anything. Got a call from Barbara the next day crying. Someone poisoned her cats. I didn't tell. She'll probably figure it out. So just yeah, check. I don't blame him for not. Yeah. I don't. I don't blame him for not saying anything. Honestly. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, uh, the 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 last part is is great though. Uh, you know we have uh, that that little comment like now listen to this. Maxi Zeus surrendered this morning. He said he wasn't a god anymore. And then he carved a question mark in his forehead. And we have Batman saying back to Gordon, you know, Gordon, he's hearing all of this right now. There's a small broadcasting device in that gargoyle there. It helps him keep track of what we're planning. It's all very smart. That's how he wins, by being very smart. Smart enough to know that I, I have a weakness for mercy. A weakness that leads to a weakness he has been exploiting these last months. But, and it took me some time to see this, on that court, he showed me that being smart can be its own weakness, that you can get lost in your own assumptions. You see, I was smart. I assumed he was who he was. He tells a riddle, you solve it, case closed. I had, I assumed he couldn't question himself, that he couldn't change, that he would never let go of the reins holding him back. That was my mistake, thinking I knew him, assuming there was no limit to his fun. I was smart, and I was a fool, just like him. You see, now, in his room by himself, he is making the same smart mistake I did. He assumes that I can't change, that I can't question myself, that I cannot let go of my own reins, that there is no limit to my mercy. And, and he assumes that this isn't a recording, that I'm actually on the rooftop, actually saying these things. Riddle me this, Edward. Though we meet but once, you know me forever thereafter. What am I? And Batman appears in the mirror directly behind Edward Nigma as he's putting his hat on. And then the last four panels of the full page are just black. Yep. Love the it. end. Fucking <laughs> what am I? <laughs> oh, oh, Batsy. Batsy, Batsy, Batsy. And, and I mean, if this is canon, all this, if that's what they're saying with it, and I mean, here we are a year later and all that, what about the repercussions and stuff? Because well, what I, do you I do to the Riddler to take him out of commission? I, I don't think this is canon. No? No. Uh, well, it's kind of a toss-up. If Well, Three Jokers kind of brought Killing Joke in the canon i i don't know if it's officially canon i don't know either because they've been kind of like nebulous about it so it's like it could be a I thing have to, i have to reread that 
oh, actually, no, it isn't canon because um, Killing Joke is one of the alternate universes that Batman visits You're in right. the current run. Jesus, Mary. But only because Chip Zdarsky says so. Yes. So. Yep. Oh, the same guy that said Batman can fly through space in a fucking... Never mind. I don't think... I Was that him? Yeah. 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 Oh, what's okay. Yeah, that was uh, the... Uh, oh, what is it? The... Um... Failsafe. Oh, failsafe, yeah. Yeah, we talked about that last episode. <laughs> yeah. As he fails. I don't know. Yeah, and I, I realized after after we had spoke about everything, and it's like, wow, I had that same comic literally sitting right next to me. You know? So I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> this was really good, though. Uh, I, it I agree. Was, it was such a an interesting delving into the background of, of the Riddler. Um Honestly, the Riddler, how do I put it? When most people think of Batman, they think of the Joker. That's his his arch nemesis. Um, and there's maybe a couple of other individuals that, that jump up, um, depending on who it is you're speaking to, what they kind of lean towards. Uh, some people really... Uh, gear themselves towards the Scarecrow. I know, Justin, you're a big fan of the Scarecrow. And Bane. Yeah, I like them both. And Bane, yep. Uh, and then there are other people who think that, um, you know, like Clayface is is like a fantastic body horror, creepy, shape-changer type criminal that, you know, like, wow, imagine having to, having to go up against that after you've just been dealing with, like, guys who wear a lot of fucking makeup, you know, like, yeah. that's that's some different type shit. Uh, Two-Face is another one uh, that people think of insofar as, like, oh, he was, a, he was a good guy. He was, like, an ally, at least acquaintance of Bruce, and Bruce really believed in him, blah, blah, blah. And some of this is informed, of course, by movies, success of The Dark Knight and so on. Uh, but The Riddler... Uh, you know, with the zeitgeist being what it is at different points in time, um, not that there was anything wrong with Frank Gorshin's performance for what the Riddler was at that point in time in the 60s. Uh, you move ahead and Jim Carrey in full regalia as the Riddler is basically Frank Gorshin's The Riddler showing up in Batman Forever, uh, which is zany off the wall like slightly coked up to the gills uh and the riddler is like scary smart and never really been given proper shrift i've always i always thought like why the fuck would he like it's not just about signing his crimes but like why would he make everything so accessible to somebody who clearly is known as like one of the greatest detectives you know and, you know, the argument always be like, oh, it was a challenge for himself to see if he could do it. And it's like, but I mean, he always fails. So what's the deal? And for this to go like the extra step, extra step and say, like, no, I, I built those riddles so you would solve them. Like, don't you get it? Like, this was all the game. I would, you know, I've been trying to have fun and play a game all this time. Well, I'm done playing the game. I don't want to play the game anymore. And because it's my game, it's my rules, and these are the new ones. And 
laid it out very plainly for Batman. And that's where we see that Gotham City was basically frozen in terror of Edward Nigma. And I feel like he is most certainly a character that should have more people nervous when he shows up and not because not for the same reasons they see the Joker, like, Oh my God, is he going to tell a fucking horrible pun or is he going to fucking spray acid from the flower on his lapel in our faces and, and melt our fucking shit off to the bone? Like that's the Joker. He is a psychotic killer through and through. The Riddler makes calculated moves in killing people. He'll kill you because he feels it's absolutely necessary. But he would just as soon not have anything to fucking do with you. You know, that's that the indifference is what makes it fucking chilling. Um, you know, as you're talking, it made me think about uh, another Riddler storyline. And actually, it turned out Tom King wrote it the as joke, well. The War of Jokes and Riddles. War yep. of Jokes and Riddles. Yeah, Which, that's not this Riddler. <laughs> no, no, no. But not. That, it, it, it isn't, but it was also, it was another really good Riddler It, it was uh, a good, storyline. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and it had Kite Man in it, you know. So Kite it's the, all the all the classic Tom King hallmarks, you know. Yeah. I mean, R- Riddler, Riddler's had his chance to be scary and, and like, all that that's kind of where he is right now but i mean there was a period for maybe right after hush i want to say where he kind of went to be a uh anti-hero i'll call him where he hmm. was kind of like a, a information broker private detective working with like the gotham city sirens and all that you know so uh that that was the whole thing yeah scott lobdell when he, he did that so maybe that was like geez seven years ago i don't, I don't know maybe even probably more, probably more years, nine years. I don't know. But, um, so, I mean, it's nice that there's finally someone that has an idea what to do with the character because between hush and now, this is probably the best thing that we've gotten. Yeah. Yeah. I I can, I can dig on that. I can dig on that. And that, that includes the war of jokes and riddles, which I did think was good, but I think this is just like, wow. (laughs) <laughs> it's really cool. Yeah, it's it I think it's I think it's interesting too that um they they have what it was a 12 of these like one a month for a uh, year. 8 of them. 8 of them. Well, well, wait. Oh, okay, I was looking at the second page too. That that threw me off. All right. I thought it was four more on the other page, but it's just four selected from those 8. Right. Yeah, it's, um, uh, it's Riddler, Two Face, Penguin, Mister Freeze, Catwoman, Bane, Clayface, and Raz Al Ghul. Yeah, I'm sure that Raz Al Ghul one's interesting. Tom Taylor, forget about it. Um, yeah, it, it is. It is funny though. I'm sure that there are some people who took one look at the eight issues uh, done for this mini series of one shots, where they were like, "But with it." where the fuck is the joker and it's like well uh go read the killing joke dipshit that's 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 <laughs> his one bad day exactly yeah you know but uh yeah th- this was this was really this was really good um what what's the next one are we, are we sticking uh, with this as a series 
we can if you guys want to. I, I, I don't know. I, I was just asking. I, I didn't know the plan, and I don't mean well, to put anyone uh, in the we, spot. <laughs> we'll no, figure no, it no. out. Yeah, yeah. No, I, TBD, I, kids, TBD. I thought we could. Uh, you know, I, I figured to be too big of a reading to uh, to do multiple in an episode. Um. Oh yeah, but, yeah. No, no, no. I, I mean, if they're all like sixty-nine pages, like this one was too. Yeah, that's that's not gonna work for a couple of <laughs> these done per per episode. No way. Yeah, and I we probably don't have to go as in depth uh, into all of them, depending on you know how good they are. Um, well, th- like like th- like you guys were saying though, like we haven't we haven't gotten a whole lot of jumping into this character, this background, his motivations, you know, the the things that the impetus behind his actions. Um, you know, who, who would have thought that it was some Kurt Vonnegut look like throwing riddles at the end of his test that really just made Edward Tierney snap like a fucking twig and fall. Oh yeah. Look at that. Uh, I was just looking at some of these creators too. So Tom Taylor, Ivan Reyes. Wow. That sounds awesome for, for that one. And mm-hmm. Jerry Duggan and Mateo Scalera for, uh, Mr. Freeze. That sounds really good. John Ridley and Giuseppe Caramucci for uh, Penguin. Not as familiar with those guys. Uh, Mirko Tamaki and Javier Fernandez for Two-Face. The art looks interesting. Um, and let's see, yeah. Joshua Williamson and Howard Porter for Bane. One Bad Day. I bet you that's good. Then this one looks really interesting to me. One Bad Day for Catwoman with G. Willow Wilson and uh, Jamie McKelvey. I bet that one's outstanding. Uh, let's see. I don't. I don't know. Colin Kelly. I, I'm not familiar with, and Jackson Lansing for One Bad Day. Clayface, and I think that yeah, that's it for those. So, yeah, I'm I'm kind of kind of interested in this whole series here because I I've not read them. Yeah, I mean, I'll tell you like for myself right right off the bat, I am uh, like in order of of interest. Uh, Raz al Ghul, Mister Freeze. Two face, really good. Penguin, Bane, Clayface, Catwoman. Yeah, I guess Clayface, or was it uh, Two Face? Is the next one, and then um, uh, Penguin, Mister Freeze, Bane, Catwoman, Clayface, and the last one's Rush. Oh, cool! (laughs) Of course. Yeah, I mean, yeah, of course. But I mean, that that's all right. I, I say we just go in the the release order, like you know, why why not? You know. But uh, sounds good. And um, I'm just trying to check here to see where Batman stands. Looks like he's the main. Usually at the top of the uh, Gotham City Police Department or a well-placed gargoyle somewhere nearby yeah. so we can see the bat signal. Yeah, unless a, a uh, um, an owl knocks him off the, uh, <laughs> the gargoyle. Uh, but it looks like. The main book is uh, on hiatus for a little bit. It doesn't come out. Uh, it says it releases September 5th. Oh, the regular Batman book? Regular Batman book. Uh, yeah, they just gave me, they gave me something else. What was it? Uh, like Batman something. I don't know if it's Night Terrors. There's it looks like there's several. What is it? New, uh, th- there's several Batman stories running right now. Looks Batman. Like. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. It's like saying, yeah. like, you know, hey, is Deadpool doing anything in the comics these days? Well, my friend, you know, what I'm saying? 
Uh, looks like Batman Incorporated is currently running. Uh, Batman Scooby Doo Mysteries. Looks like Ooh, Night Terrors. Really? Um, uh, Night Terrors is actually running different characters. So there's Night Terrors Robin, Night Terrors Green Lantern. Oh, dude, they have everybody. Everybody's yeah. got a Night Terrors. So, yeah. There's a, a Batman Justice Buster. What? Oh, that's that's the uh, the big robot from uh, uh, Justice. Or actually, that I think that might actually be from uh, from uh, Metal, but it's uh, that's that's an action figure that's coming out from McFarlane. Are you right. are you looking at previews? Uh no no no! I'm just looking to see. I'm just looking at titles. Okay, yeah, because the Justice Buster is a giant robot action figure that's coming out. It's one of those prestigious ones. So that's coming out, and there's uh, another figure that's coming out with that. I was just looking at that in previews. Oh, there's a crap ton of Night Terrors that came out. Yeah, it's it looks like it's their new thing, and like Dark Crisis, I will catch up later. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm not doing that again, man, because now it's like, hey, guess what? There's an A cover and a B cover, and you got to get... I'm like, you know what? I'm not doing it, DC. I'm not. You know what, DC? Fuck you. They oh. all look like F covers to me. Yeah, exactly. um, a new issue didn't come out this week, but uh, looks like three weeks ago, Batman Brave and the Bold. Uh, the first one was really good, looks like the second one's out already. Oh, cool, okay. And uh, Detective's still running, so uh, I, I should get caught up on that. But I was just gonna say, looks like um, Catwoman's getting a new suit, yeah, yeah, I, I saw that, and it, it looks pretty cool. And yeah. I'm more I'm whiskers, whatever less they're tail. Doing. When they have, um, when they have like a reboot on her, it's usually a pretty good story hook. So um, I, I just like the character, and I, I like uh, that she just injects a little bit of chaos into everything, whatever she does. Oh yeah, her her suit it looks like uh, it's just a night out on a town. It's a yellow tank top uh, with a bat symbol crossed out. <laughs> and uh, the the issue says Batman descends on Gotham City, full of rage and force more driven than ever to save his home, but the new landscape has turned friends into foes. Can anyone stop his reign of terror? Should they? The Gotham War continues in the second chapter. Yeah. Okay. I I feel like that. I'm sure that's out of context, but whatever, you know. Oh, DC Comics, the Gotham War is the event. That's all we the don't... event. <laughs> You know what? I I kind of want to build off of something that Brandon said. I like the idea of smaller stories and sticking oh, totally. to that and doing yep. stuff like this because that's that's where you've got some good stuff. It's just like a never-ending parade of constant crises and crossover yeah, events and stuff like that. And it's like, you know what? How about some smaller stories? How about like some like vignettes or like how about some character driven shit? Yeah, yeah. Like let's do that yeah. instead of creating six new characters that are gonna get McFarlane action Wait, figures here, that nobody here's, will buy. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I'm all for I'm all for new characters, new villains, or anything like that being introduced. But those things really only come about organically yeah. if you are telling character stories like you are looking into developing the characters within the framework that you already have set up because that way you're able to examine the complexities strengths and weaknesses of each individual character that you're covering on a fairly regular basis and the audience becomes attuned to that as well 
And from that point, you can construct an interesting villain to help confront some of these anxieties, fears, weaknesses that these seemingly indestructible characters hold on to and have to deal with. If you do that, then you make it a little bit more of a personal struggle for each hero involved and also make it far more engaging because we don't necessarily know how it's going to play out other than the fact, obviously Batman's not going to die or anything, but it, it's, it's something different. You can, you can play with the severity of a situation. The, the, the maybe, maybe you have an, a character that's, a bit more of a joke and i don't mean like purposefully funny like they want to be threatening and a big deal bring someone in like that how does that play up what happens to them over the long term do they get the shit kicked out of them by batman and the bat family so much that instead of discouraging them it strengthens their resolve how dangerous does that make that villain for batman and his cohorts at that point you know those are the things that are interesting yeah the things that are not interesting is doing numerous weird large-scale cosmic shit with batman as the center of it like it's already been done twice i know that's oh, what i'm saying like, yeah, more like, like, yeah. like once was was way more than enough and the fact that they went back to that well it's fucking stupid and, and, and I, I i'm sorry to say it, like i don't mean to be so blunt in my assessment no, of you're, it you're totally right but it's, I, it's not, I like i like some of the stuff in death metal so i'm not gonna completely agree I shouldn't with say you, stupid. But it's not fair it's, it was I, overdone I, I don't think it's fair to all the fans, not just Bat fans, but like all the fans who are like maybe looking forward to like just a fun comic or whatever. Like, how is this going to well, be a big deal? Not, but like not... to have, but to have all of creation tied into Batman. Like, I don't want all of creation tied into any singular character. And and, and I'm saying that as someone who loves Superman, I don't want to see Superman at the middle of a, a whole cosmic Donnybrook slash destruction recreation thing. I don't want to see that. You know, I, I feel like you strip away the personal character and, and, and story that's been developed over time with someone like Batman, Superman, the flash, whatever, when all of a sudden you take them from being a character and you turn them into a caricature that's necessary to push a narrative forward. I think that well, was the point of it, yeah. Well, they're also totally missing. Like, we, before Zadarsky, we were in that friggin' fear state 40 something friggin' issues of a convoluted mess. Batman became a, a totally horrendous book, it, it was so convoluted, you didn't know what was happening. And then Chip Zdarsky comes along and the storyline's fresh. He friggin' kills off Batman right in the beginning. And you're like, holy shit, you know, and we're totally thrown into this new universe. 
and you think, okay, we're going to get a fresh start with Batman. You know, it, it, it's trying to fix what's been going on. And we have this whole dawn of DC. You're trying to get new, you know, new blood into comics, you know? Oh, God, like Future State and all this other well, stuff. And Well, dawn of DC is the overall arching, yeah. you know, sort of like rebirth, like the killed off Justice League. There is the whole rebirth sort of like of DC. And, and like they're bringing back Batman, or, sorry, uh, uh, Superman. He, I think he was dead for a bit. Um, but to go from from that, so pos, uh, so many possibilities of, of you know just a, a soft reboot to get us back into sync into another convoluted multi arc storyline is idiotic. You know, Z- well, Zadarsky I mean- just got started. Yeah, that that's honestly it, it, it all comes back to the uh, the unnecessary boomeranging of characters right back to their starting point. And that's not that's not Batman exclusive. That's across comic them, particularly the big two publishers. Oh, Spider-Man um, especially. Yeah. Oh, yeah. God. Spider-Man, Spider-Man, Batman. Superman, uh, they're all they're all probably the biggest perpetrators. Well, I, I I'm not saying reboot Batman. Uh, you know, it, it's essentially he was dead. He came back, uh, but it's still the no, same same what, Batman. What, what, it sounds it, like what you want is progression. Well, progression and cleanup. Like you know, don't make the universe so. You know, focus on Batman. Don't focus on okay. We're gonna create these new characters every five issues you know yeah um yeah and we're gonna do stupid shit like okay we're that that feels an awful lot like let's throw what we can against the wall and see what sticks that's what that feels spaghetti sticking yeah Yeah. um I, i mean honestly it's it's one of the biggest problems with modern comics altogether it's not it's not just a batman problem um, and not the writers, not the artists, not the, the inkers or colorists, the letterers, none of those folks, the publishers themselves, they're fucking cowards. Oh yeah. Yeah. They we, are, need, we need a 20 issue arc so we can sell more books. Well, the, but it's, it's like, it's the extremism of, of overly fanatical like almost fascistic fanboys but without any of the enthusiasm for the characters and stories listen we want you to go out there and we want you to write some phenomenal engaging just just sell out stories with batman and his bat family okay i can do that but don't change anything about him or any of those other characters that can't be changed back by the time a year is done. So that way we can have someone else come in and work on the book and do what they need to do with the character. What? That, that, why bother telling a fucking story then? 
you know and i get part of it like oh i get a chance to work on batman i've always wanted to tell a batman story like this i totally understand like if you're given that opportunity why wouldn't you but at the same time as like a storyteller there is something to like not everything needing a full-on resolution and that's fine but you do need to get to a point where the character has grown and batman for all the years he's been doing this in in continuity like in canon for the years he's been doing this and the bat family he has amassed what the fuck has he learned uh, he, he's gone backwards a lot yeah. like that's that's one of my big issues with like the brubaker run like that i just detest because i'm like you brought him back and it doesn't make sense and then this is not that character like who is this jerk you know i don't well, like that character well, I, I do have to say, I, I think Zadarsky is, you know, I don't, unfortunately, we're probably not going to get a chance to see it right away, uh, you know, for some time. But like the last issue, you know, when Batman comes back, the entire Bat family, you know, coming together as an actual family, you know, that was totally unique to see, you know, they're, they're all having breakfast. Like he, he goes to the mansion. He hasn't been there in forever because the alarm has been tripped and turns out the bat family tripped it on purpose and everybody's there. They're making breakfast. They're laughing. They're having fun all to, you know, uh, uh, because he's back, he's alive, you know? And, uh, I thought that was like a really touching story. And That's cool. uh, it's a good palate yeah. cleanser too. Yeah, totally. It's like the X-Men playing baseball. You know, well, that, that's why, you know, but that's whole, the re that's yeah. part of the reason the Bat family is there, you know, to add balance. Bruce lost his family and he managed to create a new one. And and that's like a great thing for progression of the character, like where he was able to look outside of himself, see something and realize coming back. Oh, I can do something positive about this. You know, it, it really stems from him trying to help these other people. And that's the initial connection between him and them. They are also there for him. And that has been abundantly clear over the years. If you're not going to utilize that, why bother including them at all? Exactly. Cause it's, it's, they're not there to die to push a story along because yeah. that's that's just cheap, you know, and th yeah. these things are just thrown away mm -hmm. like like lives of fictional characters just like may as well all be John Oates <laughs> from the beginning of this story. Yeah. So which which was used nicely, like the way that they yeah. did it. But it's like like, OK, throw away character, you know. Yeah. And I mean, you know, just to kind of cap it up, I mean, we're talking about all this and it's good to delve in and, and pick apart in a good way like be able to dissect uh it is worth noting considering the conversation and you know I, i'll 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 let this be my last statement on it it is rather telling that in a far more finite medium insofar as what people expect for beginning middle end kind of stuff uh in the flash directed by andy muschietti we actually see Batman be being having a, a self-realization, although, you know, even though it's induced by the lasso of truth, Wonder Woman's Golden Lariat, 
but he straight up says, I really, I feel like I could probably do a lot more good by using my money to help people instead of being Batman. That is something worth exploring for the character of Batman and Bruce Wayne. Actually, but, uh, Zdarsky covers that. Oh, it was that after he comes down from space and lands on the earth completely unharmed in his just regular bat suit. Yeah, when he's in the multi-dimension. You know what? We'll cover it another day. Maybe, maybe wonderful. Then, yeah. Okay. May, how wonderful. about uh yeah, you know what? After uh after one bad day, maybe we cover the beginning of the cigar. Sounds like cigar. one bad day for Brandon. There we go. Well, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> well, uh I, I know my we interest on. is peaked. I will say that. <laughs> uh, okay, we'll wrap things up. Uh, uh, you also do get a uh, Commissioner Gordon uh, Skeletor mix, uh, but yeah, another time. Uh, <laughs> I want. <laughs> what the? F okay. <laughs> sure. Uh, I want to thank everybody for watching or listening this fine evening. Uh, my name is Leo. You can find me. Just Google me. Uh, but I do a bunch of shows with these fine gentlemen. Uh, they'll tell you some awesome stuff that we do besides the Dork Night. Uh, which you can find, you know, you, you know where to find it because you're listening or watching to it now. And uh, I also do splash pages on Tuesdays and uh, midweek geeks on Wednesdays. And uh, we'll kick it over to Justin. Check me out. Epic Tales from the Sewers, a TMNT podcast, wherever you find your fine podcasts. And you can also check out my music uh, generation playlist. Also, wherever you find five uh, fine podcasts. Awesome. Alpha Brandon. I, uh, hi, everyone. Powerful Brandon here. Just real quick. Like, I'm sorry, Leo. Like, I have no context for what you just said other than Commissioner S Gordon Skeletor mashup. And all I have in my head now is Bullock, go turn on the bat signal, you fatuous fathead. <laughs> just, so thanks for that. Appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> um, that was a gift for you. <laughs> thank, yeah, that was for you, buddy. That one's for free. Uh, yeah, like I said, everyone, uh, powerful Brandon here. Uh, if uh, you feel so inclined, come on over to Facebook. Check out the Powers Combined Facebook group. Our a group of dorks, nerds, and geeks that like together get together and share news, memes, info, jokes, good times, and laughs to be had by all. Our number one rule there is don't be a jerk. If you violate that, you will be booted immediately. Uh, if you want to come on over and check me out on social media, I'm on Instagram at this Brandon has powers also on threads at this Brandon has powers uh, and Twitter at Brandon's powers. You can also check out comics paradox podcast. That is a podcast that Justin Leo and myself do in conjunction with this. We switch off every other week. We cover uh, all things such as what ifs from Marvel elseworlds from DC, all kinds of alternate reality tales and, uh, you know, takes on characters and stories that you may already be familiar with. Uh, we, we, uh, you know, we take a look not just at those specific types of uh, series, but also story arcs such as uh, Armageddon 2001 from DC or X-Men Age of Apocalypse from Marvel. And uh, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's a lot of fun. We, we get into a, a lot of fun takes that, uh, you know, otherwise you don't see in any of these regular monthly type tales. Uh, and you can check those out wherever fine podcasts are broadcast. Awesome. With that, we'll catch you guys later. Bye. Bye, Bye. everybody. <laughs>